I've thought a lot about what mindfulness at work really looks like. What exactly is it? And what is the point of it? And I've come to the conclusion that the probably, I don't know if it's the best way to describe it, but at least for me, this is what mindfulness at work really looks like. If you imagine, you think about all the things that happen to us at work, and this is no matter what industry we work in, what uh, level of the company that we're at, what uh, no matter what the industry is, no matter what the type of work that we do, um, it's, it's all really in terms of, it all really comes down to how are we perceiving what's happening at work that's external to us. And the best way to filter this so that someone can appreciate the difference of how mindfulness at work or mindful coping at work could really uh, uh, make a difference. It, it really comes down to, if I had to sum it up in one sentence, it's all about how you see how you know what you are believing about what is happening external to you at work and there's a lot of things that there's people that we deal with there's there's customers there's clients there there are people that we report to there's people that are our uh, our supervisors uh there's a lot of different uh groups that uh, you know types of people that we interact with uh depending on what our job is and what our work is about and at least for me, after you know being in the workplace for uh, over 30 years now, uh, I have come to the conclusion that much of the suffering that I have dealt with and much of the pain that I have dealt with and the disappointment and the hurt feelings and the feelings of dissatisfaction and unhappiness come from how I react and respond internally to what is happening around me and what I think people are doing to me, what I think people are saying to me. And so much so that it took a long time, it took really years in the workplace for me to finally begin to understand that there are really two different, there are two very distinctly different things happening at any given time in at work. And it's how we cope with those things that really makes the difference in the quality of our work life and in the quality of our life as a whole. Because you can't really separate those out. If we're, if we're struggling at work, there's a great likelihood that we're struggling at home, that we're struggling uh, in our relationships, in our friendships, in uh, anything that we do in the community. It's, it's hard to separate those things. I know some people can successfully, I've heard the saying before, you know, when I'm done with work, I leave work at work. You know, I don't take it home with me. I don't, I, you know, when I hit the door, I leave it there. And that's great. And I have always, always admired people who have the ability to do that. I am not one of them. And uh, if you're able to, my hat's off to you. I mean, I really, I, I really mean that. Uh, and that's why I finally discovered mindfulness practice and found that it helped me because I know that I'm not able to leave work behind when I hit the door. Uh, never have been able to do that. That's never been something that's been that I've had any real success with. And I would imagine that there are numerous people 
who also feel the same way. And I, and the thing that's really encouraging about it is I don't think that means there's anything wrong with us. I think it just means that there's different types of people. Some people can, or can compartmentalize their work experience and when they're done, they're done for the day. And, uh, I'd love to be one of those people, but I finally had to, to find a way to cope because I finally had to admit to myself that I'm not one of those people and I'm probably not going to be. Uh, I tried for years uh, in futility to try to become that kind of person that could just leave it all at the door when I was done for the day, but it just, I couldn't do it. And inevitably, I would take things home with me. Uh, and after I became self-employed, I worked out of the house and basically still could not leave it behind. In fact, it was even harder because, you know, there I was. I was basically, you know, I worked at, out of the house. I worked at home. I lived at home. And uh, the, 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 uh, the, the boundaries got very, the lines got very blurred. And it was very, very difficult. And really, that's what I think it took for me to finally realize that I had to find an effective way to cope uh, better with and more healthily with the, the, uh, the, the, the things that I was struggling with at work and the feelings that it was causing me to struggle with and that I was allowing myself. And I was not only was I feeling those things, but I was basically causing a lot more unneeded suffering because of how I would replay those events and things that hurt my feelings and made me feel dissatisfied, uh, made me feel empty inside, you know, hurt my feelings, uh, caused me pain and difficulty, made me question my own abilities, whether I'd made the right choice doing the work I was doing or who I was doing it for. And so it just, it, it just built on itself. It's like a snowball. And one day I just knew that I had to find something that was going to help me release myself from all of this unneeded self-inflicted suffering. And that's when I finally realized what, you know, what mindfulness practice is really all about. And the best way that I can describe it is that if you can imagine you're at work, it's a normal, typical day, the usual, you know, things are, and I realize there's always different things that happen, but it's a typical day at work. And you can imagine there's two, uh, two computer screens or television screens and screen A, basically you can imagine that it has a, if you could have a camera inside your head that would actually project onto that, the, to that screen A, what you think is happening in any given situation. It would be, it would show exactly what you think is happening. If someone is talking to you, if someone sends an email to you, whatever it is that's happening, if there's a customer or a client that's angry, unhappy, uh, in, for any reason, or even for that matter, if someone's happy and, and, and appreciating the work that you're doing, it's also possible, I think, to get a little, you know, we can't, we, I know at least for me, I can get a little bit too carried away when things are really positive and things are really good. And then I kind of let my guard down and then, then I'm not prepared for when there's a disappointment of some sort or when things don't go my way. So it really works both ways. But if you could imagine getting back to the two different screens, these are both being projected in real time. We have, you know, screen A is showing what you, for your perspective, what, when someone communicates with you or talks to you, it's what you think they're saying, not necessarily what they're really saying. If someone sends you an email or a text or some sort of communication, screen A is going to reflect 
what you what, what you're perceiving they're saying to you it's 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 being filtered through your own experience and that's subject to a lot of different distortions that took me a long time to realize that and appreciate that distinction and that difference that it all has to do with my perspective and how I am viewing that particular event and it's filtered through all the biases of all of my previous conditioning all the things that have happened in my life previous traumas difficulties letdowns setbacks you name it it's it's all those things affect how we perceive things and i know most people know that and then screen b if you can imagine like just a what i'd refer to as like what they used to call a long time ago a closed circuit uh broadcast it would just be you know let's say you're in your office or you're in a conference room uh, there's a camera there, and it's you know there's no one co- making commentary. It's just someone flicks. Have you ever seen like you know when you flick on like a home video camera, and you pull, you hook it up to the TV, you just you're just seeing what the camera sees. But what's interesting is the camera reflects what's really happening. There's no way to distort that. There's no way to affect what that camera is projecting onto that screen with what's happening in your mind it is you know there it's unmistakable that that you know screen b is exactly what is what it what is whatever is happening if you are receiving an email and it was on camera you would see on that screen exactly what the words are no judgment no interpretation it would simply if someone if your uh, supervisor your boss, whoever it is, your client, your customer is talking to you if they're unhappy, then that screen is reflecting exactly what they're saying, exactly how they're saying it, but not filtered through your, you know, what, what you're interpreting. And what is amazing to me is if you, if you have that picture in your head, it was very helpful for, for me very early on to use that model in my mind in any given situation. So as soon as, and that again is the uh, the whole idea behind mindfulness practice is that I'm they, they, you know people have asked me before you know what is the point of sitting quietly? What is the point of that? What is the point of sitting still, sitting quietly, and not trying to not have thoughts, just letting whatever thoughts run through our mind because there's no way to stop them. There's no way to stop that, that constant stream of thoughts and images and sounds that's going through our minds. There's, it just We're human. That's the way we're wired. And the more, if you've ever tried this, the more you try not to have certain thoughts, it, it, if anything, it causes them to be even more prevalent. It, it, you even have more of them. So trying to resist that really doesn't work. So, and I know a lot of people will feel like, you know, what's the point of just sitting here doing nothing? This just doesn't make any sense to me. The idea is, is that with, with, with most human endeavors, in order to build any sort of skill at anything, unless we're just exceptionally gifted and talented, we have to practice. And any, any skill that we build is usually a diminishing skill in that if we don't continue to practice it, we tend to not be able to uh, to to do it as effectively as we did when we were practicing it. So, for most people, sitting still and sitting quietly 
is not something that they're used to unless they've engaged in mindfulness practice. Now, I realize there are things that people can do. There's activities, there's hobbies, there's, there are things that people do that bring them a lot of relaxation and allow them to sort of get into what's referred to as a flow state where you're just, you know, you are one with whatever you're doing. But that is a little bit different in that what I'm, what I'm talking about here and what mindfulness practice is really focused on is being still, being quiet. And you can't start out doing that for three or four hours or half a day. It, it, it just, it's, it's just too much. And the beautiful part about this is I've had people that I've worked with that start out for, you know, a minute in the beginning. Start out to be still and quiet for a minute. And then two, and then three, four, and five. And then, then it starts to increase more substantially but the more that you sit with your mind and it's and it's why I love that's one of those one of my favorite sayings you sit with things so if you're having a bad day and you're not and you're really angry about something and you sit still and quiet it's probably not going to feel good and it's only when you get to the place where you realize that it's just you doing this to yourself. And the only way that you can do that is by getting still and getting quiet. You start to develop an awareness. You start to realize, hey, all this stuff running through my head, it just sort of comes and goes. You have to be able to experience that repeatedly in order to understand and appreciate that you can begin to develop a a different kind of awareness. And many people have not experienced this kind of awareness. And it's only, they're capable of it. It's just that you have to get still and quiet to find out that you can develop this awareness. And what will happen is, inevitably, as you sit still and quietly, you will find certain thoughts will come up. Memories about things that upset you at work. Things, all of a sudden, you'll start to think about things that you're unhappy about or dissatisfied about with your work. Something that happened today or yesterday or in the recent past or even in the distant past that caused you a lot of difficulty and made you really unhappy. And those things will start to come up. Our memories work that way. And as you practice just letting those thoughts come and letting them go, you'll start to note and be aware. It'll be like you will be sitting there and something will come up and you'll, instead of getting caught up in that feeling of how you felt at the time when it happened, or this could even be about worries about the future. This could also be, this could be just you being unhappy about, you know, how uncomfortable it is to sit still and quietly. You could be hating that experience and miserable and waiting. When is this going to end? When am I going to be finished? Or worrying about the future. What's going to happen with, you know, this uh, project that I'm working on at work? I don't feel like it's going very well. What happens if it doesn't go well? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going, you know, what, what's going to happen? You know, then and then if that happens, then what happens after that? And then when when then what? Ha- do you see how this just continues to feed on itself? And at some point, by sitting still and and sitting with those things that come up, those those feelings that you can't really explain, that you don't know why. I was sitting there and suddenly I'm feeling this. We can't always know or understand why we feel certain things. A lot of times, what we just really are focused on is we want the feeling to go away. And so then we start trying to push it away. And as you can see, the more that we get still and quiet, all of a sudden there's an awareness that 
that that comes online that says, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm feeling this. I'm th- or I'm thinking this or both." And there I go again. I'm doing this to myself again. And as soon as that awareness comes into play, you start to realize that, you know, it's this is not really, you know, you feel like what you're thinking or feeling is what reality is or what is happening. But then that awareness allows you to see that that's not always the case. And a lot of, and very seldom is that reality. It's just, that's what we're thinking and feel, you know, our feelings are coming up. We feel a certain way about something. We can't really, really very often control the way that we feel. And so we're going to very, you know, very commonly, we're going to think things about what we feel. And that's where the trouble starts in terms of us causing ourselves suffering. And so if we can get to a point where we can realize in any given work situation, you know, it, it, as soon as you come to that awareness and, and you have the ability to do, the, to do that over and over again, and that's ultimately what it takes, is that this is, you know, the things that you feel, how you feel, and what you think about it, this, this stuff is going to happen every day you're at work every day that you're alive but the more that you can appreciate the difference between what's on screen a and what's on screen b screen a again is what you think about what's happening to you how this is affecting you what you know and when we do that we are basically resisting and we're guarding ourselves against something that we think is going to cause us hurt or or pain and so we suffer What's on screen B is what's actually really happening. And in many cases, what, what is happening on screen B is not nearly as bad as what we think is happening on screen A because we are, we're somewhere else. You know, screen B is what's happening right here, right now, the reality of the situation. Screen A is, is sometimes, in a lot of cases, once we've gone on, you know, we've kind of boarded that we're on that train and those thoughts are just running, you know, just running continuously out of control. We're not really here. We're not really understanding. You know, we're not really fully appreciating what's really going on. So the more that we can practice returning back to what's really happening in the workplace, the more that we can stop believing everything that we think about what's happening to us and, and, and how it's making us feel. Every time we're able to, to come to a place where we can do that, there, that means less suffering for us in the workplace. And that potentially means more joy in the workplace. That potentially means uh, struggling less in the workplace. It means less worry and less fear in the workplace. And while this is something that is not a, a, a quick fix, it certainly isn't. This is what I refer to as the long game. This is something we have to develop coping skills to deal with every day that we're at work. And there's, there's just no shortcuts. There's no way around it. And that's why being more, you know, being more aware and, and cultivating this awareness really ultimately means we're cultivating a calmer and a more focused mind while we're at work. And that, that mind, once we, free, once we free ourselves from some of the worry and the fear and the, the internal reactions to what is happening on the outside at work, what's happening, what we think people are saying to us, what we think people are doing to us, our mind has the ability to be more focused on the task at hand. We can be more involved. We can be more here in, in the here and now. We can be more present with what it is that we're trying to do and very possibly can do it with greater, we can achieve whatever it is we're trying to do. We can be more productive. 
we can possibly be happier, we can possibly be more fulfilled at work, and we can have less suffering. And it really that's really what I think it takes, is we have to first develop a practice to, to facilitate us suffering less before we can really start to enjoy the good things at work. Because in a lot of cases, and this, this took me a long time to realize, I was in my own way. And it was only when I was able to start practicing mindfulness and mindful coping at work was I able to see that once I could get out of my own way, that so much of what held me back and so much of what was, was causing so much of my suffering was my own thoughts about what I was feeling, my own thoughts about what I thought was happening to me and what I thought people were doing to me. Was I able to finally experience some joy at work and to get some satisfaction out of my, of my experience of being at work? And in a lot of cases, there was all, there's always things that I can't control. There's always going to be things that I'm not going to like about what it is I have to deal with at work. There's always going to be things out of my control. There's no, there's no way to fix that. But what there is a way to, to uh, what, you know, what we can change is that ability to change how we react and how we respond and to loosen our attachment to who we think we are and what we think people are doing to us and what the, you know what you know how we are being somehow shortchanged or hurt in a situation a lot of it is about just letting go and loosening up a little bit about who we think that we are and and what we think we're really about and what we think that our our uh, our place in the you know what what our place in the world is and it's only when we can begin to develop that awareness and catching ourselves and being very gentle with ourselves about you know there I go again you know I'm doing it again I'm reacting habitually to something that someone is saying to me or that someone is you know someone is conveying to me and only then can we start to really experience a calmer and more focused mind at work. It takes a, it takes effort. It takes a little bit of work. It takes a decision to engage in this practice, but it is definitely it definitely can be well worth the effort, and can make our work experience much more fulfilling in the long run.